absolutely awful pun. Go to go to four minutes and thirty one seconds. God, there's no way we can do that. <laughs> <with the time laughs> <code. laughs> Should have just said page three. And if you want to hear me, uh, if you want to hear me, just roll with the mistake and just go ahead and introduce the episode. Go to page four. Which is it, boys? Page four. Page four. Page four. All right, we're going right in. Welcome everyone to Roll and Move, the internet's only podcast that takes a look at some of the. Uh, the, the, the worser games out there, the stranger games out there, the more bizarre ones, and asks the question, why does this exist? What makes it work? Is it really as uh, as good or as bad as everyone on the internet says it is? Uh, hopefully. Hopefully we'll be able to find <laughs> out uh, today. Otherwise, we wouldn't have content. Uh, I am your first co-host, one of the creators of Rough Draft Games, and with me is... I didn't even introduce myself. I am your first co-host and one of the creators of Rough Draft Games, Thomas Schungerberg, and with me here as always is... Garrett Lively. Uh, I chose to buy this game, so I'm going to take full responsibility for everything that happened here. But, uh, yeah. Admirable. Yeah. yeah. You deserve it. You chose your own adventure here. It's a tough and life. And also with, us, also with us is... Jeff Lee. I think next time I use Google Maps, um, I'm going to be really wary of taking a left, because I might just die. <laughs> you might just... You might get a bad end. Might just you, a quick uh, bad end. Bad end. Quick, quick bad end. GG. Game over. Start over from the very beginning of the book. Uh, speaking of books, today we're we're playing a game that is very much, I think, inspired by an entire genre of books. We are playing. What is? What's the full name of this game, Gare? This game is called Choose Your Own Adventure: House of Danger, based on the book by R. A. Montgomery. I think R- I think probably based on the book of R- by R. A. Mar- Montgomery, not in the official title, but Choose Your Own Adventure, House of Danger. So of course it's the classic Choose Your Own Adventure series that we've all known and loved while growing up. It was was one, some of the only books that I checked out of the library. Really, one of the only ways that you could get me to read anything at such a young way age was to gamify it. Right? Yeah. If there was like mm-hmm. dying lives. If there was anything along those lines, then I would uh, I would get it. In fact. The uh, I was I was more familiar with the uh, the Goosebumps variant of the Choose Your Own Adventure series. Give, uh, give yourself some goosebumps. Yeah, give yourself some goosebumps. And I had like the one where you would break into a theme park. It was called like Death at Funland or something like that. It was really good. Yeah, I I enjoyed it when I was a kid. Uh, what about you guys? Do you guys have any experience with Choose Your Own Adventure games? Uh, I had a handful. Um... I always got kind of bored with them, or I would always just read them in order just to kind of see all the possible scenarios <laughs> play out. Uh, just because, you know, like a completionist. If I'm going to play a video game or, or, you know, all the Arkham games, I made, I had to find every single riddle. With uh, the Mordor games, I had to make sure I I was going to say, challenge. if you know yeah, Garrett yeah. in video games, like he's definitely a completionist, 100%er. And, <laughs> um, and I, the, the reason why I like to bring this up is because uh, if any of you guys out there have played Breath of the Wild, I asked him if he finished it. And I know that that answer is almost impossible because there's, what, 900 Korok seeds? <laughs> and what did you, you got like 600 or something or whatever? Whatever stupid yeah. number, and I was like, "Yeah, you would." Like, I wouldn't. I didn't even try. I didn't even try to hundred percent. Got to I didn't. I didn't. I. You know, I. I always like heard other people. You know, getting into choose your own adventure books. I just wasn't a big reader as a kid, and I still kind of a pretty bad reader to be honest. Like, I, I'm. A, I'm a digest reader, if you will. I kind of like the summaries of everything, and I think um, if you guys remember <laughs> the TLDR. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I wish I was a better reader. I've actually some, tried to be try to read more books now that I'm like an adult <laughs> and like, um, but do you guys remember accelerated reader as a kid? I don't know if everyone else had an accelerated reader. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. How to get those AR points. Yeah. Accelerated reader for those of you that aren't familiar. It was like, we had to or read didn't these books. listen to our last episode. 
or uh, <laughs> we had to read these books and like take um, take these tests. Um, and we had to get X amount of points every what quarter or semester or whatever, and it ruined reading for me. Like it really made it more mature, and I was I started to like try to skim really big books just to get like chances at getting because you had to pass with like a seventy or something. So I was just trying to right. pass so I can get all the points. Um, but yeah. I just so I wasn't that, reading all the that's books. That's when I you were like in sixth grade, and you all of a sudden you're you're lying and you're like, yeah, I read Moby Dick. Uh, it's worth like 200, 300 AR points. <laughs> I'm yeah. just going to, this is a great, I'm going to start skimming the dictionary and hoping that I can get enough points for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's I what it did for movie. me. Yeah, I watched it, the movie. It was pretty close. It ruined it. It ruined it. Absolutely ruined it for me. <laughs> so it sounds like we have somewhat of a familiarity. Like even if you weren't that much of a reader as a kid, you were aware of the series mm-hmm. and you were aware of the type of, yeah, uh, absolutely. Type of media. Yeah. So we have a board game here for you guys that is uh, it's trying to emulate, sort of capture that same feeling of adventure in board game form, which actually makes a lot of sense when you think about it, because as I was saying earlier, it's a way to sort of gamify reading by making a choose-your-own-adventure story, mm-hmm. gets you feeling involved, and really board games sort of fit that narrative to a T, right? right. I, I mean, if you can mix good story with influential decisions that matter then i think that that is it's a, it's a match made in heaven i mean most of the board games that we love sort of do that already right. mm-hmm. so the real question is is does this uh does this actually do that so <laughs> I, I i think before we can really dive into sort of what's in the box and sort of how the game plays let's take a look at the company who actually made this game uh relatively new company safe to say garrett like last five years six years probably yeah 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 as far as i know i I think not even younger than that two or three years um Mm -hmm. i think the choose your own adventure is one of the first games that they released but since then prospero hall has been putting out some uh some real heavy hitters some some real gems uh that have just taken the taken the world by storm villainous has been a huge huge hit uh which represents basically disney villains and in a in a deck builder game uh you've got the funkovers games which is a light little action combat game with you know of course your favorite pop culture figures and uh a handful they've got like a bunch of just like ips they've got jaws they've got the shining they've got uh, what is it? Home Alone. So they 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 have really got some uh, links into the the pop culture world, and they've put out some really really big hits um, here. Well, in the past one few thing years. I want to I want to give them credit for is with a lot of the other games that we've done, and it's been a while since we busted out a Cardinal game or we busted out a uh, what's another one of the major licensee uh, game like gaming companies that we used to do. Uh, um, Cardinal, press, <laughs> like Card- Cardinal Pressman. Pressman's the other one I was thinking of. Uh, a lot of times when you see a company take on an IP, right? And they're they're commissioned to, oh, wait, you need to just develop a game around Harry Potter. There's essentially two routes that you can go, right, if you're the company. You can either take the game and just apply it to an already completed but non-patented game, right? right. This is exactly what we saw with the Harry Potter game, right? Oh, yeah. That we, yeah. That we played with mm-hmm. Trouble. My favorite. Right? It was just the Pop-O-Matic. You're playing exactly <laughs> Trouble, but it's got a, it's got a Harry Potter skin slapped onto it. The yeah, reskins. Sort of the, yep. uh, yeah, the reskins. Like that's we're calling back to like season one stuff, but yeah, reskins <laughs> are a huge a huge part of the board gaming industry. But Prospero Hall, even though they have these really important intellectual properties, they're working with Disney games. They're working with Funko Pop games. They're working with uh, the Home Alone 
universe. I don't think there's an extended universe. <laughs> you know, the uh, Kevin, AJ, I think, I mean, Max uh, was the second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they got Jurassic Park in here. They got Top Gun. But what they're doing is they're actually creating unique game design 100%. for every single intellectual property that they bring in here. So they have an operation that's more it, it caters to the game rather than just sort of rushing it out to market and what i think i have to we have to credit for that is if you go to the designer of this game on board game geek it says it doesn't say a person instead it's a team yeah. which is a really what are your what's your sort of take on that and i know jeff you've seen the team page on prosperohall.com but this is massive what do you guys think about like sort of like the communal board game design approach do you think it sort of works for them or do you think it gets cre- credit their success with it um i think that you know i'll have to give them credit like you mentioned because like a lot of the games that they're putting out um with these big titles and, and a lot of these go straight to targets I, I think um i've seen a lot of these at target and they get target exclusive deals for a lot of these um and you tend to see a lot of those games kind of fizzle out because they're so like repeated um but like I think they do a good job of, you know, making pretty unique games um, with the titles that they get. And, and um, I think it has to, I'm, I'm, I'd assume that it comes with not just having one designer kind of re- redesigning or reskinning the same thing. It has to, it has to be a, a product of like their massive teams. I think they have like six or seven just, just dedicated game designers and they don't have to worry about other stuff like, you know, um, media or, um, or partnerships or anything like that, which I think takes away from um other you know smaller indie game indie game companies where they can only they kind of have to do everything so maybe they're good at selling but they're not great game designers and it kind of you kind of shows in the game um and or maybe they're not great at art or whatever but here you notice that they have a big team and everyone kind of um leans into what they're good at i think it kind of shows in the quality of the product so um i'd say in general yeah that most of the stuff's pretty good and it it comes from having dedicated people to dedicated roles yeah, I think right. it's a really unique take, and it's something that I mean, I'm I'm not the most scholarly board game uh, historian ever, but I mean, just thinking back, I mean, you you think back to like Avalon Hill games, uh, even Hasbro games. Generally, there's there's a person leading the team or a lead designer, and right. they have these huge teams that are that'll play test, they'll tweak, and they'll uh, you know they'll they'll do whatever you know they'll come up with the art, they'll brainstorm, they'll. They'll do whatever is needed to be done by the lead designer, but you don't have a team that is credited for designing this. And I mean, we were looking at the team page for Prospero Hall, and it's huge. Like, it's what twenty-five people, thirty people, yeah, at least. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is insane. And you know, their their actual design team is is smaller than that. It looked like it was about seven or seven or eight. But it's it's a it's a very large team, and it, it's a very unique thing to see kind of that that collaboration and just like credit one name. I think really the only other time we've really commented on this and said, man, I wish there was a name to this was the pimps and hose board game, but that was for just the opposite reason. To, yeah. For the opposite <laughs> reason. We wanted someone to just take credit for this. Um, it is interesting. You don't really look at board. You sort of, you don't think of board games when it comes to this, but um, a lot of films are sort of constructed around auteur filmmaking, right? You give right. Tarantino leads up a film. It's going to be a Tarantino film. It's going to sure. be a Scorsese yeah. film. Uh, so with board game design, you either ha- you would either construct a, a board game around one man or one woman and their vision. Um, and right. I think Jamie uh, Jamie Stegmaier uh, Jamie Stegmaier is a perfect example of this. You get a Jamie Stegmaier game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. He's like it's a Stonemaier have... game. Whether, whether he's the designer on it, which I, I think there's only two games mm-hmm. in his collection that aren't his games, but it's still oh, that's a Stonemaier game. We know the quality is right. going to be right. top notch. So it- it's really interesting to see an example uh, come out from a team that 
really doesn't suffer from the problem of, which I think is really easy to have happened to anyone is where there's too many cooks in the kitchen so to mm-hmm. speak and but you still have really polished gameplays and games that are coming out of it sure. um that being said that's their resume that's their repertoire yes. right today we are not looking at all of their games we're looking at only one and we are looking at the choose your own adventure game indeed choose your own adventure game uh Published in 2018 by Z-Man Games. I think this is probably one of the rare Z-Man games that are going to have the honor of making it on to roll and move. So I'm sorry, Z-Man. We love you. We're going to have to tiptoe around this one for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hopefully not too bad. But yeah, this is like, you know, it's a a very popular game. One of the things I I do want to quickly throw out, this game is intended for 1 to 99 players, according to BoardGameGeek. 99? Yes, yes. Wow. Yeah, it's a a cooperative board game uh, in the choose-your-own-adventure vein. Um, and by Prospero Hall, and it is based on the works of Ari Montgomery, who we said is one of the original writers for choosing your own adventure. So found this bad boy. Uh, they had a big stack of these at Half Price Books before the, what, what are we calling the lead up to COVID? Uh, Pre-COVID? The, uh, the uh, Awakening? Pre-COVID. The board game Awakening. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anyways, they had a huge Pretty stack symptoms. of these in half price books. So they were they were on sale, and uh, during their Valentine's Day sale, I got to take an additional, I think, twenty percent off. So I went ahead and made the plunge because I was very intrigued by this this IP because it's a Z Man game. You know, you don't see well, very many Z Man games in you know half price books for sure. So I'm sure. Well, not only not. that, but I was I was kind of you know when I'm looking at a game and I'm not quite sure. You know, I, I see the premise and I'm like, that's kind of weird. You know, and I'm, but I'm not quite sure if it'll it'll make it as a roll and move game. I, you know, I, I search board game geek and I see, you know, kind of where it's going. And so I'm reading through it and I'm like seeing that this has almost all the same properties that a choose your own adventure book has. And that's mm-hmm. it. They add a dice. Um, so we'll, we'll, I guess we'll talk about that more later, but uh, I think we should kind of delve in here and, and see what we got. Yeah. Let's take a look at the box and what's in the box. What's in so, the y- box. You Good. see this game sitting there on the shelf, Gare. What's it look like? What are you looking at? Here? Uh, it's a, it, it looks very, very strikingly similar to a Choose Your Own Adventure book. So, so boys, I actually have a, a actual Choose Your Own Adventure book here uh, from Edward Packard, the gentleman that teamed up with uh, Ari Montgomery to write a lot of them. They have a multicolored arch, a white book, and then just an image that depicts a lot of the imagery that you would uh, read in the book. So this this box is the exact same. It's got white white box, uh, and then a multicolored arc, and then some imagery, some some of the things that you'll see in the game. A nice we see, homage, a, he- we see a hedge well. maze. We see some uh, a, a nice strange futuristic house we see some vines uh, maybe some monkey hands so yeah a little little homage to maybe what you might be stumbling upon on your adventures we'll mm-hmm. pop this bad boy open inside we have uh five decks of cards five large decks of cards that are individually wrapped each of those decks is going to be their own chapter within the story there are five unique chapters in the story there's a game board. The back of it functions as a little clue for you before you start your adventure. It's a nice mural. Again, it's got a bunch of just different pieces of imagery that you're going to be seeing throughout your quest. And then we have a single die. We have a pawn and we have a yellow cube. And you're just basically going to use the pawn and the yellow cube to track the opposite side of the board, your psychic scale and the danger meter. 
uh, which are just two scales. The psychic scale goes from 1 to 25, danger meter from 3 up to 6, although a lot of those numbers repeat. And, and they're uh, both sort of your health meters, yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah. the danger meter kind of represents how hard it is for you to complete stuff, while the psychic mm-hmm. scale kind of represents how easy it is for you to just, like, stumble upon good luck. Free clues, yeah. Yeah, free free clues, uh, free free pathways to the end, uh, skips of danger, whereas uh, the danger meter specifically is going to represent what you're going to be chucking dice for. Yep, yeah. So that's all that's in the box. It's pretty simple. Uh, these decks of cards are rather large. Uh, the story deck, I believe, was 30 cards long. And it, I, I forgot to mention there's a smaller deck that comes with each chapter that are the clue cards. And that is also 30 cards long. Um, so basically, I, I guess we can kind of talk about how the game works. Is you are told to look at the back of the board, study the image that I said. That kind of that that montage of all the images that you'll see throughout. And then you start on chapter one, and then every time you come upon a decision, the group decides what to do, and you head on down, and sometimes you'll come across a challenge. When you uh, when you compete in that challenge, you roll a die, and whatever the danger meter is on, you need to beat it or exceed it. And then sometimes it'll say, if your psychic scale is uh, at level one, two, three, four, whatever, you get this free clue, and then you just continue on and... I, I mean that's that's the story. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> they they yeah. took they take choose your own adventure books and they add a couple of uh, skill checks where you just toss a die and roll and move. Go boom, <laughs> ready to roll. Actual roll and move. Right. So I think with a game that this that's this heavy on story, uh, I mean Garrett's perfectly captured what the game is and how it works. But with a game like this, I think narrative is everything. So, to sort of, like, set the stage, game begins, says that it's totally collaborative, so Garrett tells Jeff and I, hey, you are a private investigator slash an aspiring psychic who wakes up, you got these uh, these crazy dreams, and he starts off by giving us this, uh, this card that we're supposed to memorize, we got two minutes to look at it, try and memorize what it is, and it's this very, uh, it almost looks like a Salvador Dali Sort mm-hmm. of a perspective it's a meld painting. of a lot of different things. Yeah, like it's got a pool with a giant saber sticking out of it, and you have lockers with slimes right, hanging out of the top. Frog. Yeah, bunch of random yeah. stuff. Very you save that picture, Jeff. That was very, very accurate. You know, it's funny. I was, I thought I was gonna forget a lot of this stuff, and then um, right when we started, I was like, yeah, I remember a lot of it actually. Wow. That was impressive. Architecture, right architecture in the back, frog in the front pretty- left. Yeah. Uh, sword in the middle, spiral. I think computers in the left. It's like yeah. computer slash garbage. There's a web know? over top and a maid. Yeah, it's a weird, and really then, weird old. Well, I was gonna say I'll, I'll post a picture, but you just listen to what Jeff said. <laughs> and it looks that, like that, everything that is, is correct. pulling yeah. out of like looks like a dial, like an oven dial. That's all I remember. So Jeff and I are cramming for like for a last minute test. Yeah, to exactly. Memorize this card, <laughs> and uh, then the game begins, and we go down to a police station. And we essentially find out that we're going to be breaking and entering into this random home. Uh, that was <laughs> something yep. that was yeah. not made very clear in the book. It's like you were just going to go to the police station, okay? And you tell them that you had a scary dream, and they're like, "Oh man, that's that's a warrant. That's the that's the Marston <laughs> House. <laughs> that's the Marston House. We Get think it's there. haunted. Get over there and see what's going that's on. A warrant, we're not baby. a cop. 
We are not a cop, by the way. We You're are aspiring a, detective. An aspiring <laughs> whatever that means, right? Like a, we could be Reddit detective for all they know. We're pro- we're probably homeless if we're if we believe we're a psychic <laughs> detective. So, anyways, we're probably gonna go break into this uh, house. You arrive there, and it immediately starts with the decisions. Hey, do you wanna do you wanna climb over the fence, or do you wanna look through a passage in the wall? And then you have to come to a uh, unanimous decision. Luckily, Jeff and I are very agreeable. So, uh, there's always one easy decision it was always like do this really cool thing or this super lame really safe thing and so of course yeah we did like do you want to look around the room do you want to look around the room or do you want to crawl into an open grave (laughs) and we're like (laughs) Like, "Mm, grave yeah probably the open grave and then (laughs) then you die so eventually you're making these decisions and you are going to come across ones that are obvious like that so uh jeff and i are doing some exploring we're finding clues and here's where things start to sort of unravel should for me. should and and i i, I do want to i guess say this i think we should throw out the spoiler alert in case you are a huge choose your own adventure fan house of danger fan huge z-man fan whatever and you want to play this game we're going to talk about some story elements here so yeah if you definitely don't stop listening here just go to the next episode it'll be good uh, or go play the game and come back and pick up where we left off yep that being it's- said Boom. If you're if, if if you're that passionate about losing out on the first chapter of this board game, <laughs> I think I think you'll live. I think you'll save twenty bucks and uh, and a lot of time if you just listen to us. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so yes. Uh. Yeah. Skip to skip to a different episode. But anyways, so we are we're looking for clues. Doesn't specify what. Doesn't no. specify what we're doing. We're just it just says you know, go look for clues. So we're digging around the house, uh, digging around the front yard, I should say. We're looking for clues. They got a statuary. We climb up and uh, we we pull a saber out of the guy's hands because we're like, oh yeah, that was in the pool. That was in the card we memorized. And to do so, here's here's the here's the way it works. We want to climb up and grab the saber. And Garrett says, okay, all right, you got to roll a dice to roll to see if it's above a three. You successfully climb up to get the saber. If it's below a three. Your danger meter goes up two, and you have to try again. So hypothetically, <laughs> you just keep trying. Hypothetically, you can try as many times as you want. Because here's what's ha- here's what happens if you go all the way up the danger meter. Let's say you go all the way to a six on the danger meter, yeah. And then you hit the top, and it just says, "Okay, your psychology meter or your psychic meter or whatever you want to call it, it that goes down two. You're just a little less so- psychic." This mm-hmm. is the first decision that you have to make. So we're already at like a one or whatever on yeah. the psychic meter. So it doesn't matter, right? You no. can try this as many times as you want. Go all the way up. Let's say that you have the worst luck in the world and you get nonstop failures on this dice. Can't really figure it out. But you can go up the danger meter as many times as you want at the beginning and it doesn't matter at all. Right. And then... And I was Go just going to say, I think that seems to be the case with, like, the major story elements. Like, any of the clues that say, your psychic senses tell you this is a really important clue. They're like, all right, if you don't want to fail, you don't have to. Just keep chucking dice until uh, yeah. until you pass. <laughs> so, it doesn't really give you the option of not collecting the really, the quote-unquote, very important items. So Right. So, you're going around looking for clues, and you can't die in the only part of the story that you actually <laughs> feel like... There's a little bit of tension. You're rolling dice. You're making a decision. You're breaking really and entering into this, this guy's house, like, and he's got right. open graves and, like, you know, he's got maze, what, uh, hedge mazes, and like, 
sarcophagus is laying around and these like secret dungeons and pools and for some reason you just can't die so you might as well just explore it all i mean right <laughs> it's it's the most dangerous part of the game the most stressful part of the game that the is, skill checks the challenges not, yeah. yeah it's not the skill checks it's the cards it's just the, what happens to happen yeah after you choose this situation where it doesn't seem necessarily dangerous or it seems very weird and then it just chooses to kill you there's no rhyme or reason with it so i guess in essence it's sticking very close with the choose your own adventure <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Tell them about yeah. the chimpanzee. Tell, someone tell them about the chimpanzee. Well, so, yeah, the point of that is like one of the cards you stumble upon a chimpanzee playing a violin, and it's the most beautiful music you've ever heard. And so, like, just randomly the, in this garden. Yeah, like, just randomly in this garden. And one of the choices is to very carefully try to avoid detection. If you choose that path, it says all of a sudden you trip on a motion sensor light, and it turns out to be surrounded by Doberman pincers. They all charge you with the monkey's direction and kill you. You're dead. <laughs> so it's like, well, thanks for letting me. Do you choose to be very cautious? Yes, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> no skill check, no dice roll, no nothing. Just it's dead. just that you you chose poorly. You chose poorly. Sorry, uh, bud. Bad ending. Yeah, bad ending. and then, but but here's what's even better. Not even the bad endings where you quote unquote die can kill you. They don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. Jeff, do you care to elaborate? Yeah. So basically what happens is, um, if I recall correctly, when you die and you choose the wrong thing, it just asks you to go back to another part of the story and just try again. That's choose the right. right. Choose, choose right the right this time. On this 50, yeah. 50. <laughs> <laughs> and you, choose you go right down like time, two idiot. on the psychic scale, right? Is that that's the only repercussion? Go down two on the psychic scale? You go down two on the psychic yeah. scale and you go back to the card where you made the fatal decision. And of... All these cards, there are two decisions to make. So, <laughs> Right. So if you thought that you couldn't die earlier when you were just rolling dice and you were cranking that danger meter up and sliding down the psychology, and it doesn't matter too because eventually it kept giving us this option to go down a driveway, and so Jeff and I are stubborn, so we keep refusing. Well, because it came out of nowhere. It was like basically our choice was you just – you. You went underground yeah, into so, this underground water cavern. You pop up in the middle yeah. of a pool. Then you hear fighting on this gazebo. Um, yeah. And then it's like, oh, you know, do you want to choose A? Check out who's fighting on top of the gazebo in this, you know, battle to the death. Or, hey, do you want to check out that driveway? <laughs> they made it sound so and we were like, why would, I, why would I ever want to check out the driveway? There's this well, and, and Then I'm, I'm pretty sure you, like, get on top of the gazebo, and it's like, and then you glance back at the driveway. Like, are you sure you don't want to go like, back please to the, go to the driveway, driveway yeah. bud? <laughs> like, they, like, really like, tried no, to force you. No, we're not going to the driveway. the driveway. Yeah, and so in the in the original path that, that Jeff and Thomas took to the end of the story, it brought up the driveway four different times in just various parts. Like, you would just be passing by, and you're like, now you can uh, you can continue on this path or just uh, head on back to the driveway. You know, whatever floats your boat. And so, yeah, it was funny as you as you said, you two are very very stubborn and just never chose the driveway until eventually the story was like, all right, your only path is a driveway. Go to the driveway. And then we went to the driveway and it was like, all right, Game that's over. it. You beat chapter one. <laughs> yep. But there are some other important items that you feel like there might be exist in the garden. And then did it did it straight up tell you? Where the other important clues were in the it garden. Did. Yeah. yeah, it said if you want to go back to the cemetery, go to this card. If you want to go to the ditch, go to this card. And then it actually listed some of the places you'd already been. Uh, like if you wanted to go to the pool or the uh, gazebo, for example. Right. Just go back Go back to these places. So Can't fail. It encourages, it encourages people like me, the 100 percenters, to uh, go back and collect all the items if, if need be. With the only mm -hmm. danger of failing these, these checks again, which you can't die to because it'll just put you back. 
and uh, I guess increasing your danger meter, which doesn't matter because eventually you'll pass. <laughs> so I guess a good comp to this game would be, do you guys remember like back in like 2009, 2010, even all the way up to like 2012, I think, where you would hear, you would see all these like indie games hit uh, Steam that were, everyone called them glorified walking simulators. Yes. Where there <laughs> there was no way to die. It wasn't like, uh, what was it called? Asylum Dark Descent or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, where you would be chased by a monster or whatever. It's it's literally just a single narrative where you go by and you have to pick up items in order to just get the entire narrative. But there's no stakes. There's no way to die. If there's, You can save your progress and quit. Or maybe it's like, oh, you shouldn't go that way. There's a minor correction. But there's no actual consequences to your... To, to the actions that you're taking. And I feel like with a book, you might be able to get away with that because it's as simple as turning a page back in the opposite direction and just, you know, you're continuing to read. <laughs> but with with a with a game, with an actual board game, you have to have stakes, I think. Or at least a little bit bigger stakes with uh, with something that is explicitly narrative. Like some games create stakes by making you compete against your friends, right? And you yeah. want to be mm-hmm. your friends, so that's how they get you involved. Uh, I don't know where the stakes are in this game. That's yeah. the biggest thing that I have here because it feels like a walking simulator. Yeah. A shitty that's, that's game a, made by an indie dev. That Steam. is a great comp. I think another great comp is the Choose Your Own Adventure book. And then as you're reading it. <laughs> the actual thing. It's yes. Up. As you're reading it, uh, whenever the hero is like in a battle or whatever, you're like, all right, I'm going to chuck a die. If I roll a three or higher, I win. Oh, uh, okay. Let me try that again. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay, well. let me try that again. And then you just continue along the story and just you you impose these arbitrary skill checks that you just added to make it a quote-unquote game as you're reading this book that has nothing to do with your decisions. Well, I mean, it does with your decisions, but as far as your skill checks or your, your gamification, it has nothing to do with any so of that. I, so they're just like, I will say, like, what's hard about here. it is, like, the unknown, right? Like, usually you're afraid of, anytime you're first playing a game, you're kind of afraid of the unknown. Like, what happens if I die? Is this one of those games where sure. if I die, I lose everything? Or, sure. um, mm-hmm. and it's, obviously, it's really difficult to impl- implement with a Choose Your Advent- Adventure book, but, yeah. and in this case, like, you know, Thomas and I were like, what happens if we die? What happens if we die? We haven't died yet, but we're going to push our envelope here because it's roll and move. But what happens if we die? (laughs) And I wonder if, like, other people, when they play the game, they think, you know, because obviously we went back and we looked at everything, right? We we looked, what if we didn't make this decision, what if we did, you know? Um, And where where would we have died? And I wonder if people just playing the game without going back and checking through everything, if they felt like they were... If they really felt like the, it was meant for them to never die, and they knew like they that, got out by the skin of yeah, their exactly. Teeth. Or if they felt There's like, no or if they felt like, back. oh man, I'm just like, oh this this is a great game. I'm barely making it through. It's like appropriately I don't balanced know, man. for me. The game, the game very much encourages you to be like there's really important items back here and then when you get those items it says this item is very important. It doesn't uh, it doesn't. Like I, I feel like it's kind of <laughs> hypocritical because like like eight times they told us to go to the driveway and it had no incentive for us to go to the driveway. <laughs> and but that was the reason that was how we needed to finish the game or finish the round. We, and I was like, that's for that's for speed runs, speed runs. <laughs> Just do all the boring stuff. Speed run the- <laughs> God, uh, I, I, I will say to you, Jeff's point, real quickly. Uh, 
there is one consequence that is kind of in there, but again, it's cheapened. You can lose your items if you use them on challenges. They have various like buffs you can add to your challenge. Challenge boosters, I think, are what they're called, and they can like give you a plus two on a die roll. However, if you roll a one, you automatically lose that item and lose the challenge. However, it won't let you do this on your key story items. So again, these are just items that you may find that are like, uh, you know, trivial but give you buffs. Whereas the key story items are like, keep this with you. Don't use it. Just hang on to it until you need it in the story. But in the end, it doesn't so. matter because you can... No, just... no, yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm like... saying. I mean, but that, that is the quote-unquote... That's like the buff you can lose. Yeah, if it's like you're afraid, like a, you're afraid that you're going to roll... A dungeon crawler and you find something sweet that gives you like uh, infinite mana or whatever. And you're like, oh, crap, I lost that. That sucks. But these items are like plus one to your dice roll. Which so. doesn't matter me, because you can just roll as me, many times as you want anyway. So. Right. Let me give an example of how it's possible to tell a player not to use an item until the needed time, right? So if you were a good GM, well, sure. I'll, I'll start if you were a bad GM. We're going to start with a Goofus rather than a Gallant. Uh, that's a highlights but, reference. Goofus is the good guy, right, though? No, Goofus is the, the one I always guy. modeled off of. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> so so here's what a bad GM would do. Yeah, Don't use this item until you're supposed to. <laughs> Hang on to it. That's what a bad GM does. And that's what this game does. Yeah. So I think a better use would be this item is, let's say it's a magical item. You would say it's going to start glowing when it's exposed to this uh, certain ore or something along those lines. And you wouldn't put them in an environment an environment where it could glow. like, right. Or you wouldn't put them in an environment where they would probably want to use it. Because they want to probably see that ability that they know it's sure. going to activate. Or if you give them a walkie-talkie, you don't give them batteries to it or something along those lines. So that they know that they can't use it yet until eventually they are they're able to use it right so right. so you you create stipulations in the game that prevent them in story from being able to use that item or use that card until it's time and then the this only a, only way you get uh, off the rails on that is if like your characters go and like sell that item um mm-hmm. shout out two three <laughs> days till retirement <laughs> <laughs> and you, you know i think this this is gonna come up in my review for it when we eventually uh get to those which is uh and i i think you i this is gonna sound like a dick statement but it's, it's <laughs> never stopped me before uh you, i don't think you can play this game if you've ever done uh D before or if you've ever done any, any open-ended the, yeah. the, the amount of the amount of freedom that like even we've had on this show by doing three days to retirement and the amount of fun that we could have by going i'm gonna go sell my cop car i'm gonna go <laughs> like i'm gonna go do this i'm gonna like th- there's so much uh poorly orchestrated structure in this game that i like i don't know the first thing that we wanted to do like we woke up and we're like let's have, let's drink that bottle of water right now like, <laughs> we, we wanted to Is this do knife it sharp can i and cut myself with you, it you, you can't do it there's that there's yeah. that yeah. level of freedom and creativity that sort of comes from right. those games that's going to influence my rating later but so I think that was so let me ask cool. you this what what if you kind of look at it in the opposite sense of not from D to this but from this as a stepping stone up into D. i think this could be pretty great yeah. i think that this would actually be really good for small kids yeah. Uh, like probably, ideally under the age of like ten. It's a, okay. Well, so, okay, uh, that was my next question. So the suggested age right is 10, ten and up. 10 plus, yeah. Yeah, ten and up. So do you think that's a little too high? I think it should be. I should be. There should be a below a certain age for this one. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I, I mean, yeah. If it's a stepping stone into 
D&D or sort of that open-ended sort of gameplay yeah. and introducing narrative player choice, this could sure. be a this could be a pretty good yeah. game. I mean, I mean, uh, there's death, but uh, we didn't see any gore or like cursing or anything like that. Well, we did get I, eaten. I, yeah, I guess. Like, te- I think it's just like the semi spookiness of it. Like, I, I don't know. Like we we got eaten alive. Technically, we got eaten alive by Doberman, Dobermans, yeah. Dobermen. So it was a bloodless yeah. death. Yeah, it was ten. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? But it, I mean, we didn't really even die, so we just kind of <laughs> imagined it. So maybe if yeah. we just maybe if you yeah. imagine it, is that, it, the, then is that the narrative in the story, Garrett? That like you're a psychic and like all deaths are sort of uh, I kind of uh, premonitions. Yeah, I kind of you? I kind of put that in. It, it doesn't quite say that. It just says death uh, isn't the end of your journey. It is just uh, let's see, death dying isn't the end of the game. It's only a setback. <laughs> I love that you put in a better narrative than than the. <laughs> than the actual game designers did Thanks, yeah because because what you did Good was GM, oh you, you said you're, you're a sidekick you're a psychic you foresaw this as a potential ending and it was almost like a flash forward sort of final destination yeah. moment and that shoot you back and i was like oh that's actually a really clever way to do that if you're going to choose to <laughs> and then i was like i just told you that it's not really what's <laughs> pick another card <laughs> oh god that's uh that's too good well do you guys want to see what some other people are saying about this i would game? i would love to um there's 1.7 thousand ratings for this on board game geek this is a very popular that's game. the target effect yeah yeah um uh, most everybody is saying that this really isn't a cooperative game it is a solo game and that's how it needs to be take it taken in and again i think you should just read a choose your own adventure book because that's all and, and to be fair like we asked at the end of the game i think we, you know you were like did you feel like it was cooperative and we're like was it actually a cooperative game because it felt like it was meant for one and then you're like no it's, it says one to 99 and i was like what? you cooperate on deciding it's it's yeah a cheap way to say one to anything it should have just been I, one. I have a i have a review from a guy named mutton chop mac he says this quote-unquote game fails on two accounts one, it is not a game. You occasionally need to roll a die to determine your fate, but this adds a little more than another random element in an already very random adventure. This is a novelty experience, rather than any sort of board or card game. Number two, it is not a good choose-your-own-adventure experience. There are four endings, and my fate was not determined by any of the choices that I had made previously or by what items I held. Ah, it sounds like they Mass Effected uh, it. No. No, you can't have Mass Effect 3. Mm-mm. Dude. That's a bad call. Yeah. We're yeah. going to finish those and see how bad it yeah. is. Yeah. But by how irrelevant items, but the irrelevant items I held, I had no desire to replay it. With no desire to replay, this fails as a choose-your-own-adventure book as well. No matter what happens, Ooh. everyone on the flotilla dies, right, Thomas? <laughs> uh, I mean, I have- that's... I have an Amazon review real quick from a Brit Borchet, and I just want to describe his picture. It is him in a toy store with an umbrella hat on and a uh, like soccer tracksuit jacket. How old is he? And, do you uh, think? Uh, he's late twenties, probably. Oh man! And uh, his review, you know, he's he's still kind of burning the the glory of his college days as a frat king, is is how I would describe him. Frat daddy. His 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 review on Amazon is one star. Boring. This game is confusing and is boring. We played for about 20 minutes and chunked it. Definitely do not recommend. <laughs> <Chunked>. <laughs> you know what's wild? Jeff, didn't we see this in a lobby? Yeah, so actually I was going to mention it after the after the uh, the call, but we saw it at a room escape. And we opened it up brand new. And clearly nobody touched it. 
I looked at it for 10 right. seconds. I was like, I'm not playing this. I'm not setting this up. <laughs> and then funnily enough, when I looked at the pictures afterwards and we were looking at reviews for the game, I'm like, this looks really familiar. Um, I, I, I yeah. remember the Doberman specifically. Uh, and yeah. I was like, yeah, this looks super, super familiar. And I was like, where was I? I was like, oh, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was Room Escape that we did up here in, in uh, the Bay Area. Nice. Yeah. We didn't play it, though, so and, no uh, the, the The only last review that I can find for this thing, uh, actually, there's tons of them on Board Game Beat, but another person says, love this game, played it twice. <laughs> it's so fun and kept us on our toes. I'm going to buy the scones version because my friends and I loves it so much. Uh, I don't know what the scones version is. but Why do you have to play it twice? You could have just read all the cards. I don't know. I don't know. There's, I mean, there's probably some people out there who sort of take it very seriously, and they're like, I have to play it from the beginning and make the other choices and get yeah. the other bad ends. I guess. I don't know about that. Uh, seems very nostalgia-fueled for a lot of these folks. Um, does anyone want to take it away with their own their own perspective here, their own rating? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in here. Um, I I do not understand what they did with... I don't. I don't know. I don't understand the gamification of this. the The book is already kind of gamifying a story, and by putting you in the driver's seat and kind of letting, giving you some agency in the book and letting you kind of decide where it goes. And the game, quote unquote, doesn't really add to that. It adds these nonsensical storyline checks or skill checks, and I, I just can't quite understand why. And the thing is, they don't take any of the baby bumpers off. Like it's still on tracks. Um, for example, people had complaints about this with like a lot of the early legacy games that came out that they really felt like the narrative was on tracks and it's hard to do in a board game to not have it feel like that and feel like you can truly affect the outcome because you know as a writer you have to write the outcome and really the only way you can do that is to completely unhinge it and give the players can complete control over where the story goes i don't understand why they made this game like i, I just don't yeah. quite understand what they were going for um <clears throat> and as far as the game goes it's just not fun to do the i mean it's kind of the same thing with like the uh the football game we played last week where you just like all right do this now flip it and see what happens and uh, we kind of talked about we like rolling dice more but you, you have very little influence on kind of how that happens or or you know you can add the items but it just i don't know it feels cheap and it doesn't feel like even though it's a choose your own adventure it just doesn't feel like there's as much agency as you would expect in a, a series that was so novel for for young readers you know back in the 80s um i was really disappointed by this i actually thought this might be a decent game because z-man put it out and i was like oh if we have fun with it we just won't record an episode or roll a move whatever um i'm gonna give this a one flat Ooh, nice. yeah. yikes really harsh um yeah. uh, I can, go ahead. yeah i'll go next um yeah like i think the the tough thing for me is that like the flaw in and of itself is that is the genre slash direction that they picked from the get-go like i don't think they could have done anything if they wanted to do any sort of choose your own adventure board game like because it's a choose your own adventure genre that's already kind of very well defined it's already it's already on bumpers to me and I don't yeah. think there's anything you can do to set off bumpers, and not, unless you're doing a full open-ended like D and D style game, um, which is it, which this isn't. So, I like I have to kind of keep that in context, and that like I think you can only put so much makeup on a pig, um, and make it and make it good. Like I think I think if you want to go read choose your own adventure books, that's fine, but I think the fact that they tried to make it a game just by basically making it readers digest versions and cards, and then like doing skill checks instead of others. I, it was just, it was pretty cheap to me. Um, it didn't seem like there was much that they can do to convert it over. And because of that, like, I felt like, you know, they kind of have to suffer from, from their decision, decision of just like choosing to c 
convert this game. Um, but I do, I do agree with you guys from before when you mentioned that, that like this could be a stepping stone or, or portal into like a more open-ended type game. Uh, just because like, yeah, if you're like a ten-year-old kid, like you're not gonna know to like to try to break everything in the in the imaginary world, right? You're not gonna think to like <laughs> steal somebody's money or like kick somebody in the face or like do something random like we do because we've tried to do that for every game that we played. Um, right. <laughs> And we're kind of used to it, but I, so I think I think that's where it's kind of neat um, in that um, in that it could be a, a good segue into some of those games, but you know, I, I still think it kind of falls flat. And I, I think what's disappointing to me is that like they clearly have the talent too to make good games, like successful games that can be sold at Target mm-hmm. that other people have played. That that kind of puts it into perspective for me as well. So I'm probably gonna give it um, like I rated the the chess like top ten games you can play with your mind like a one and a half, given that like. We, we like, we thought it was bad, but we kind of got the joke and then we thought we could have, it, it probably was better, but it kind of depends on what context I probably rate it similar to that, but worse because I think they executed poorly. So I'll probably give it like, like a 1.2. Do we have to do quarters? You can do, I don't, you can do whatever 1. you want. 1.25. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. One, it's I'll, give it, a, I'll give it a 1.0. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Big 1.0. You're gonna, you're, you should write, you should write Big it up, Jeff. One. No, I'm not, I'm not gonna write it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, screw it. It takes a hit. Uh, I'm very much on the same page with you guys. I would say that this is a great first stepping stone. Like, the very first. Like, you're not even on... Like, you're not even in the water yet. Like, it's you're, you're still getting closer to the watering edge of our my metaphorical lake here. Uh, where you're going to start moving across the river on stone tops. Like, this first stone is like still in the sand. It is it is very much yeah. a game that I think would benefit someone who was very 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 apprehensive about getting involved into a larger narrative but they still need a very tight structure. They need those bumpers as you guys said. Uh I really had a problem with the fact that there were no stakes in this. That uh yeah. by 10 minutes into the adventure I was just I was like, "Okay, well we can't die. Nothing matters." Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're just figure out where this narrative goes. And I think I actually have a solution for that. Now, this could, hypothetically, it's going to need a deeper solution than what I'm going to say, but make it legacy. Like, I would say if you expanded, like, the, the card count, made the depth, made the adventure a little bit more depthful, or made it have a little bit more depth, and you found yourself ripping up cards, if you found yourself unable to go back, yeah. If you found yourself, I would take out like most of the hard deaths because of that. Yeah, sure. Uh, but it would cure Loser what I think items. is one of the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would fix a lot of the problems that I think plague choose your own adventure books. Because with those, it's whenever you die, you flip back to the back page and then you keep going, right? Yeah. The challenge would come with creating the narrative. You would have to create a narrative that is satisfying in all the ways that it can potentially end, and that there are bad endings, that there are ways to get through the adventure a little bit more safe, but all of them are fulfilling. There's a difference between a bad ending and a like a bad ending that is not fulfilling. Right. If you get a bad ending, but you totally deserved it, I think it's okay. Yeah. Um, didn't you get that in Pandemic Legacy, Garrett? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we yeah <laughs> I, I, we tried to game the system. We're like, we're not going to lose this this quote unquote game like this uh, month, but uh, we're just going to let millions of people die. And um, right, I, I guess we already gave spoiler alerts at the beginning of yeah. this episode. But yeah, the game punished me in the end. It's like, all right, now count up all the people that you let die and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and so subtract that from your score. <laughs> like nobody knew that. I, nobody knew you were being scored either. They just thought you were trying right. to get, go by month to month. Right. So. 
so you can keep the you can keep the bad endings, the negative endings that I think we all know and love in these sort of games, but the losing the random ones I don't think hurts anyone. I think it actually uh, by gamifying it and adding that legacy sort of an angle, I think you would not just translate the subject of choose your own adventure novels to game form, but you would add to it. You would actually elevate it to something new rather than just doing a direct <laughs> copy paste onto right. cards yeah. as opposed to yeah. uh, pages. I want to add a couple. Um, so, okay. yeah. Oh, that being said, I was just going to throw out my score. I'm going to give this uh, because I think it's good for kids and I like the design of it. I just love how nostalgic it is, which is a nostalgic game. I'm going to give it a 1.5. Nice. Yeah, I want to add like a couple more things. Um, the first thing is that actually I will give it a one point. <laughs> I'm not going to change my score, but I, the one thing I want to say is like because we played chapter one, I, I'm like not that I want to subject myself to chapter two, but I wonder if chapter one was the tutorial, and because people gave it like a six Ooh. or a seven on I on BGG, which is like extremely high, you know, like so I'm I'm curious if it gets better. Um, in, in future chapters just because they're like yeah it's super easy mode it's it's super like and honestly if it if we weren't playing it in the format that we did with three people we pr you probably could have knocked it out in like 15 minutes um so I, i'm i'm just kind of curious if like maybe it's it's a little better in future chapters or maybe it's still just as bad i'm not sure um but i just i just noticed that a ton of people played the game like enough people for me to think that a decent amount of people thought it was decent um and i'm just kind of curious as to whether or not that would have impacted this yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think the thing with legacy games is you got to hook them in to begin with. Though. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I I if you guys want to go through it more, we can uh, report back on the maybe the we'll uh, see maybe for season finale episode. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I'm not sure. I, I read through the rule book and it it basically hints as as much that you're like when you end at a chapter, you can go back and search for clues or yeah. uh, when you lose an item, this happens or when you get to the top of the danger scale, this always happens. Uh, so. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think some of those mechanics are permanently crippling the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's not I just like, I just wish that the decision, there's more weight to your decision. It doesn't feel like there's any, any weight at all to, yeah. to the decision that you make. And that's, that's the core mechanic of a choose your adventure or, or you know, any open ended game like that. Yep. Well, that's what we thought. That brings the Rough Draft Boys average, assuming Jeff doesn't change it, to a 1.17. Uh, as you said, Board Game Geek, fairly high on this, a 6.6. .6. There are, like I said, over 1.7 thousand reviews on this, which is pretty insane. Um, the bell curve is pretty standard. Uh, a lot of 8s, 7s are the peaks, and then a lot of 6s as well. Uh, so... Yeah, it's a it's quite a bit higher. We are about five and a half points off. We are much lower on. We this. just and hate I, I like open ended choose your own adventure games apparently because like <laughs> the top ten games you play in your mind was like it was like a ten and we gave it like a one point six five. That that only had one rating. Yeah, this yeah, this, this one I think is probably one of the more popular games. Also, it's a Z Man product, and a lot of times you're just gonna see the name recognition or you give this to your kids and kind of like thomas was saying this does a good job of packaging yeah. it as a choose your own adventure right. thing and people see that handed to their kids throw a 10 down whether or not they played it so so what was the what was the rating that we got for this scare we got a 1.17 so right at a one. one okay so you guys all right i have the official rough draft games review ready to go for you guys are you ready so here we go on board game geek with a one star 
You buy a board game, but it turns out to be a bad choose-your-own-adventure book pasted on cards <laughs> instead of pages with a dice-based skill check slapped in. Dad grounds you for your poor business acumen. Bad end. <laughs> bad end. <laughs> Gotta I, have the bad end. <laughs> I, I, I want everyone to know we are only, like I said, 1.7 thousand reviews on this. We are only the fourth people to give this a one. Nice. I'm proud of that. Yep. Yeah. I'm extremely yeah. proud of that, actually. Yeah. yeah. Suck, Suck at everybody candy. else. <laughs> <laughs> You're all wrong. Oh, man. Well, I think that uh, that wraps up our adventure in the House of Danger. Is there any other final touches we want to throw on this bad boy? Or are we, uh, are we ready to get out of here? No, I think we're I'm ready choosing, to get out I'm of here. I'm choosing to take a right here. Hey, you might want to try and take a right, but it might just force you to choose left anyways. But if you guys would like to force us to talk to you on Twitter, <laughs> pretty good segue there. I know, I know. Thank I you, love thank it. You. You can do so by reaching out to us at Rough Draft Games. We're more than happy to respond to your questions concerning choose-your-own-adventure books. I'm more than happy to give you my expert guide and advice as you are uh, turning those pages. I can tell you, I can tell you, don't lick the pages. Not sanitary this, this day and age. <laughs> don't want to do that. Don't lick the thumb and the finger. Don't do that. And always, 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 if it gives you an even page, flip to that one. That's the pro tip. That's, How else can they get in contact with us, Gary? That's a good one. Hey, guys, we are really cooped up. I cannot get out to Half Price Books. Uh, if you have any good print-and-play recommendations, any uh, choose-your-own-adventure type things, any roll-and-writes, uh, roll anything like that that I can uh, print, whip up here, play from the computer, we would love to see those, uh, and we will play them on air if they are you know, weird or and or bad. Uh, send us an email at roughdraftgames at gmail.com and get in touch with us. Uh, we really need some... I'm not begging for content, but I would He's love begging. to see some more content. <laughs> Please give me some more content. <laughs> I am at the bottom of my... I don't know what's going to happen if I don't Please. get anything else. So. <laughs> I really need you guys to send something Is over. That the or, else, or else you guys are in for a lot of RPGs that are going to... Just drag have on. To listen to me, GM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, I'm going to give you a couple choices here. You can choose A, come on down to roughdraftgames.com, our website, where you can check out all the other uh, projects that we're working on, including thematic posts, which I think we're working on a couple new ones, other episodes of Roll and Move, uh, and even our board game that we're kickstarting this year, All Rise. Or B, you can choose to go to our YouTube channel and check out the video for All Rise that we posted up recently as well, which will also lead you back to choice number A. So. I'll drink the water bottle. <laughs> Not a choice. Not a choice. <laughs> Not a choice. Not a choice. Not a choice. And lastly, we would like to go ahead and thank those of you who have gone on to iTunes and given us five stars. We really appreciate it. It helps folks find the uh, find the podcast and get clued in on you know what we're doing here. And it also helps us gather support for the upcoming releases. Like Jeff said, we got a game that we're going to be trying to produce on our own uh, up this year. You know, hopefully, if everything sort of settles down a little bit, uh, we'll be able to have things rolling on that but when it happens and it will happen we want to have you on our side so one of the best ways that we can do that so we can help gather this army so to speak is by making sure that more people can find the show and are are interested in what we're doing here and we can help uh, work together to kind of bring a, a courtroom based board game to life and that's uh, that's really what the world needs right now i know people are probably saying no cures no medicine this is what we need no 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 my friends <laughs> we haven't tried it. That's all I gotta say. We haven't tried it yet. So <laughs> you can't prove you can't it. Say it's bad. You can't it say it doesn't work. People. You know. 
Um, all right, Garrett. I, don't, I have no idea how to do a sign-off for this episode. I am all out of choices. I can't make any more choices. You're well, going to have to get me out of here. Unfortunately, so you uh, you reach to turn off your microphone, your computer. But as you uh, inch your hand forward, the cords begin to lash out and wrap around your neck. <gasps> then another whips around your waist. More and more cords <laughs> spring out of you. This, this isn't be really happening. happening you think. <laughs> cannot be happening. The cords are moving all around Not you, real. spinning you into a cocoon. Not real. You struggle to break free of them, but they only tighten their grip on you. This can't be real. <laughs> Eventually, you can't breathe. Everything's an actual card from the game. Like a deep green. <laughs> then you see a bright white light. Then you no longer exist. Bad end.